0: Okay, you've got in front of you a handout, uh, and it's called... Life and Leadership Lessons from Australia. You say, whoa, what's the deal with that? Well, the church was kind enough after my 20 years of pastoring here to give me a six-week sabbatical, and so I had on my bucket list to go to Australia. I'd never been to Australia before, had a great desire to go there. So as I went to Australia, I went for two purposes. Uh, number one was to travel to a place called Gold Coast. Now, if you looked at Australia and it looks like this, Sydney is down like about here. And then from about Birmingham to uh, distance. There's a place called Gold Coast. It's the name of it. And there was a marathon that was going to be run there. And so I ran that marathon, and it was called the Gold Coast Marathon. Then after I finished that, then I went to Sydney, and there was a worship conference by Hillsong. Some of you have heard of Hillsong. You've heard their music, uh, and their main church locations. Uh, there And there was about a three and a half, four day conference that I was uh, able to be a part of. So and then the rest, there was uh, time to uh, do a little bit of, uh, you know, touristy stuff and uh, a little sightseeing. So I was there for two weeks. And when I was there for two weeks, I began to think through it, and I said, you know, every time you go someplace, there are some life lessons that you learn. And so I learned some that will help me in life and leadership, and I hope they'll help you, too. So you've got your hand out in front of you. Let's just walk right through these. Uh, Number one, a person in the airport holding a sign with your name makes you feel important. Make a note of this. Have you ever gone to an airport and when you've gotten off the airplane and you're beginning to make your way over to the baggage claim, have you ever seen somebody standing there holding a placard or so with someone's name? Somebody, raise your hand. Have you ever seen that? All right. What was your first thought when you saw that? Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's what I thought. I always thought that was kind of like, wow, there is a, that's an important person coming over here. Somebody's got his name there. Well, you know, this happened to me uh, probably twice in my life. One of them was when I uh, went to Ruston, Louisiana to be their pastor. My very first year there, they were going to take their youth retreat down to Mobile, and it was going to be uh, held uh, down there in Mobile with a student life conference. And so I flew from Ruston to Mobile to join them, and some joker from our group, when I got off the airplane, had to sign up, Dr. Danny Wood, no, it was Danny Wood, and uh it just made me burst with pride. Uh, that Everyone's looking around. What famous guy? I'm the pastor of a small church in Louisiana, okay, but I'm over here, got my name. Well, sure enough, when I get off the airplane, there's a guy who was supposed to drive me from the airport to the place I was going to stay, and he's got my name on there. And I thought about that. Every time you get off the airplane, you look and you see someone's name is on that placard. You say, you know what, that, that person must be have some kind of importance because somebody's here to pick them up. This is the takeaway from that. Look for ways to publicly recognize outstanding efforts of others. Look for ways to publicly recognize outstanding efforts of others. Everybody likes to be thanked for the job that they do. And so as you in your work, when you see that someone has accomplished something that was good, publicly recognize them. Don't keep it a secret publicly recognize them and it's not that you're you're boosting them up to say they're more important than anyone else No, you're just saying hey i just want to let everybody know that so and so did a great job with this and you're not only going to make them feel good but it'll inspire others to say hey you know, i need to do the same thing number two is this going the extra mile means a great deal to one who's traveled many miles going the extra mile means a great deal to one who has traveled many miles My journey started in Birmingham. I flew from Birmingham to Atlanta. I went from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Had a couple-hour layover. Got on a plane from Atlanta. Went 16 hours to Sydney. I was in Sydney. I had about an hour and a half layover. Got an airplane to fly me to Gold Coast, which is about another hour and a half. Then I got in the car from the guy who had my name, and then I drove uh, close to maybe 45 minutes or so to get to the uh, the place that I was staying. It was a real large kind of apartment, hotel-type complex. I got there at 11.40, <clears throat> and I had, so that I could get acclimated to the uh, 15-hour difference in time zone, I set up a tour at 12.15. So as soon as I got in, I didn't go crash. I just Went on a tour and rode around, you know, for four hours so that I could begin to get acclimated. I walked into the hotel. A little girl named, name, uh, named uh, Holly was right there, sweet as could be, took all my information, had a big smile. And in, in, in the kindness of that smile, after she got all my information, she said, and your room's not ready yet. <laughs> okay. Now, I know I was checking in early. It was 1140, and I had a tour at 1215. I looked at Holly, and I said, hey, I just got to tell you, I've been traveling 32 hours straight, and um, it's uh, it's 1140. I'm supposed to be on a tour at 1215. I'm just looking for a place to take a shower. So she said, hold on. Here you go, sir. I just upgraded you. I said, oh, upgrade. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Yes, go on in. I know you just wanted one bedroom. I got you a two-bedroom, and uh, just go upstairs. I went all up to the 19th floor. And uh, as I got off on the 19th floor, I walked in the place and I said, this is not right. <laughs> and uh, there was, you know how you've got um, uh, like uh, high-rise complexes and you've got rooms on the left, rooms on the right, and you've got those that are kind of the, on the edge of it that circle out and show you this panorama. This is the two views that I have. You got those, David? This is the first view I had from my room. Now, these are the mountains over there, and that's a, like a, lay, a, a river that runs through. That's on the left side. But then when I look outside, my right side... Then I've got the beach back over here, and all the hotels and stuff. And then I got this panoramic view. That was an upgrade. Every day when I came down the elevator, and I ever saw her, I paid homage to her. I said, "I cannot thank you enough. This was not not deserved at all." She, oh no, sir, that's fine. We're, we're glad to do that. Well, I started thinking about that, and uh, the note I next put down here for you is to be sensitive to what people are going through and act accordingly. Be sensitive to what people are going through and act accordingly. Um, If I had walked in those doors and I said, hey, I just flew in from Sydney. It's been an hour and a half, uh, and i got to go on a tour at 1215. Uh, What she would have said to me is, uh, Mr. Wood, your room is not ready, but there is a place where you can place your luggage, and uh, we'll hold that luggage for you. And when you come back from the tour, I know we'll have a room that's ready for you. That would only make sense. Some guy just traveled an hour and a half. Sheesh. I've been 32 hours, and all she had to do was look at me. And, uh, and so when she heard that story, I didn't have to beg, plead for sympathy. It was nothing. It's just when, as soon as she heard it, she acted accordingly and did that. Let us be very aware of what people go through, okay? Everybody's got something going on different in their life. And some people are going through more difficult times. They've got some more challenges going on. And when you notice that, you need to act accordingly. Number three, look for ways to gain new perspectives. Look for ways to gain new perspectives. The tour that I took... It was a tour to the rainforest. Most people didn't know they had one of these, but there was a rainforest. You've got the coast right here, Gold Coast, and it's a touristy place like Florida, Miami Beach, all that stuff. But if you travel inland, then they've got this beautiful rainforest. And so the guy drove us over there. We walked up and hiked up some steep uh, hill, and we got to one of these uh, lookouts. You know, you see those when you're up. It's kind of like Tennessee or something in the mountains, and there's this lookout. So we stood at this lookout, and we just like, oh, wow. It was beautiful. And I looked over there, and I tried to take some pictures, panorama pictures of what it looked like. And I said, okay, I kind of got a perspective. Then there's some young guy over here who's got a drone. Didn't even think about that. And I'm wondering what that is. He's got one of these drones that, like, will go to Mars. I mean, this thing, he, he's, he's driving this thing, and I'm scared of heights, so I'm already in thinking that I'm, like, in the drone. I'm getting nervous. And it goes up to where you can't even see it. It went into the cloud. I mean, it went way high. I said, Do you have any idea what you're doing? He said, Oh, yeah, I got this thing down. And he goes off to, and he's taking pictures. And so, what he's done, he's taken this drone, gone way out, then he's gone way high, and he's gotten this incredible perspective that none of us had. We had this very limited view, and all of a sudden, he had a whole new perspective of what that whole area looked like. It was incredible. When we think about this, gain new perspective, I wrote down a note over here. It means new people, places, predicaments, technology. Just write these down. New people, places, predicaments, technology. How do you gain a new perspective? You gain a new perspective by talking to new people. That means you're talking to people that are younger than you. And for some of you that are younger, talking to people that are older than you. And get new perspectives on their life. It means going to new places. For some of you, if you're in a business and you feel like you've kind of in a rut, you've been doing things the way you've been doing, go visit someone else's business and just walk in the doors and begin to see how they do things. How do they greet? How do they organize? Go to new places over there, new predicaments, new predicaments. What I mean by that is talk to people who are going through some difficult times and you'll gain a whole new perspective on life. Talk to people who've encountered incredible success talk to them. Talk to people who are going through predicaments that are different than what your life is so that you can begin to gain a better understanding of them. And then just new technology. I mean, just be thinking about what is out there. There's so much new technology that can help you to expand your perspectives. And so gain new perspectives. Don't just get stuck in that same little rut and just keep everything uh, all bottled up in this one little square. Get outside. Wow. All right. Number five, finish the race. Get the swag. No, oh, respect other cultures. Excuse me. Respect other cultures. Number four, respect other cultures. Respect other cultures. Failure to do so could be painful. Respect other cultures. When you're in America, what side of the street do we do we drive on? Right. When you're in Australia, founded by the British, where do they drive? Left. They're on the, on the left. We say opposite. And for that particular reason, I did not rent a car the whole time because I could not do that. I could not get myself adjusted. And in my head, that's all you had to do. Just remember about driving. You got right side, left side, all those things. Don't worry about it. However, do you not also realize that when people walk down the sidewalk, that the same rules apply? Here in the States, we walk on the right side of the sidewalk. Someone goes there on the left. In Australia, you walk on the left side of the sidewalk and everybody else comes on the right. It took me two days and about 63 people I bumped into to understand that I was going the wrong way. I kept saying, what are all you people going this way for? And, you know, you could just hear them under their breaths: Foreigner, foreigner, tourist. Uh, what do you do? Until finally I figured it out. And guess what? By about the 10th day, I'm seeing these yokels doing that. I go, foreigner, tourist, come on. Learn the learn the culture over here. And, and over here I say respect other cultures. Culture's fair to do so could be painful. You're bumping into people, you're getting knocked around over there. Well, I I thought about the same thing is that you need to respect the culture and tradition, not only of a different country, but of the organization. Every organization has a culture. Your your organization that you work for, it has a culture. Our church has a culture. When I worked at the telephone company, we had a culture. When I worked within our sales organization, we had a culture. Culture set by leadership. And so when you come to work in a, in a business, you need to respect the culture that they have. And if you're ever trying to sell something to somebody else, you need to respect their culture. And you need to understand it and respect it. Don't sit there and say, hey, the way we always do it, fine. That may be the way you always do it, but I'm not going to buy your product. I need to respect their culture. And sometimes when you respect someone else's culture, what you're going to do is you're going to embrace it, and you're going to find out that, that's some pretty good stuff going on over there. I like the way they do some of those things. So respect the culture. Number five, this is what I do. Finish the race, get the swag. Finish the race, get the swag. Uh, this is my 10th marathon. Uh, I've got 10 marathons I've run in five continents. And this could be my favorite. And one of my favorites on it, in Jeremy, where he says, is Jeremy still here? Jeremy Grime in the very back. Uh, we've done a number of them, and uh, he knows my pet peeve. My pet peeve is when you go to the expo to pick up your stuff, you can go over to the uh, merchandise area, and you can go buy a finisher shirt. You can buy a finisher shirt. Hey, got a finisher shirt. Finished the marathon. No, you didn't. All you did was you walked from the parking lot to here. You paid 20 bucks. You got the shirt. I spent 18 weeks running over 400 miles to get to this point. And it just chaps me. Does it not chat me, Jeremy? Yes, it does. Yes, all right. In a godly way, in a godly way. <laughs> and it just, it just made me mad. Well, I'm standing in line for this expo to go pick up our starting pack. And what they do is they give your bib number on there and any other material you need. And I walked over there, and, and I gave them my card, and they said, good. And they gave me a bag, and I opened it up. There was really nothing in there. There was like one sheet of paper. And so I pretended like I knew what I was doing, and I just kept going. And as I was starting to get around the corner, I looked at him and I said, "Uh, is there supposed to be like a shirt in here, you know? And they looked at me and he said, no, you don't get the shirt till you finish the race. (laughs) And I looked at that guy and said, I love you, man. I said, this is great. And so what happens is you got to run the race. And when you finish the race, ah, see, that's when you get the swag. I think we got a picture uh, of it up there. But, uh, you know, a picture doesn't really do it justice. Uh, So, you know, so what you do is you you get this shirt, and the shirt says 42 kilometer, what is that next word? Finisher. Finisher. Yeah, you only get that shirt if you finish. And you run across, and you finish, and then, naturally, they also give you your your medal, all right? And usually what we do is uh, when we get these these medals, aren't these great? Yeah, I usually wear them for a month uh, around work. Uh, actually, no, but I do wear it at home just to mess with my wife. Uh, so every so often I'll just come out with a medal on and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, just want to let you know. But you get your medal, you get your shirt. And so what it means is when you finish the race, that's when you get the swag. So here's the thing. Reward finishing, not starting. Reward finishing, Not starting. Um, Sometimes we are so excited that somebody started some project, and that's good. You need to start somewhere, but you need to finish, and that's where you need to reward people. This is not about winners and losers, okay? When you run a marathon, 5,200 people ran that full marathon. There's only 10 people even thought they could win the thing. The other 5,190, their goal was just to finish, and that's what we we, uh, celebrated and rejoiced over. So in your organization uh, and even in your own personal life, you need to be rewarded for finishing. How many times have we started something and then just gave up? Started a project and quit it. Started a job, quit it. Started a relationship, quit it. There are things that go on when we start something we just quit. And, then, uh, and, we, and that's just a part of our life. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful to start something and finish it? And whenever you have people that are working with you and they finish something, reward them. Maybe it's just some friends. Even they don't work for you. You saw they started something and they finished it. They didn't. They weren't the the winner, maybe, but they're just the one that finished it. Celebrate that with them and reward finishing, okay? All right. Now, you come to um, number six. Number six is this. Specifics trump generalities. Specifics trump generalities. I'd much rather have the specifics than just general things. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that when I run, there's a watch that I wear. It's a Garmin watch, and it tracks your mileage, your distance, and your minutes and your rate, okay? Keep up with it. I've never had a problem with it. I'm running this race. I got to the 23 miles. Okay. It's 26.2. At about 23 and a half miles, the distance froze. So I kept running. I said, Boy, I'm getting a lot slower. It says my miles per distance is getting bigger and bigger. And then I looked down here and said, Distance hasn't moved. So now I'm sitting at about 24 miles, means I've got another 2.2 miles to go. And I don't know when that's going to end. I'm just out here dying. Those are the hardest miles as there are. And it's amazing. At about a mile and a half out, all of a sudden, somebody uh, over around here starts saying, "It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner." I said, "Okay, I guess so." My watch doesn't say that, but it must. Be. And I went around the corner, and there wasn't any finish. And then there are other people that every time I turn the corner, said, it's just around the corner. I went around another corner, it wasn't there. It's just around the corner. I heard this for a mile and a half. It's just around the corner. This is when I wanted to cuss. I'm a pastor, so I didn't do that. And, you know, I wanted to say, when's the last corner uh, over here? It would have been really nice if somebody had specifics and said, hey, you got a quarter of a mile left. I would have loved to have heard that. But everything was just around the corner. Everything was just around the corner. And believe it or not, I came down a straightaway, and this person, it's just around the corner. I turned the corner, and sure enough, as I turned the corner from about here to that wall, there was a whole thing of balloons going over it. And I said, I have finished, and I ran through that. And as I ran through that, I saw people ahead of me still running. They went around the corner, and um, and I turned and I looked around the corner, and there's this long straightaway, and there's the finish. This was just to fool you, to think it was a finish, and then I had that straight away. Oh, man, wouldn't it have been nice just to have specifics? So specifics will always trump generalities. Number seven, listen to experienced voices of authority or you'll throw up, all right? This is not a racing thing. Be thankful for that. This was a... um, This was one of the scenic tours I took. It was a whale watching. And uh, you could get on a boat, and you go on a boat. It'll take you out to the ocean, and starting in July is when the whales start coming in. And we saw a number of whales that were swimming around there, all right? And we even had one of those pictures like you get on the TV where the whale jumps up and does like a 180 and goes back down. I saw one do that twice. It was incredible. But before we got on the boat, the voices of authority said, it's choppy water. Six to eight feet can be some of the waves that we're going to encounter. So if you think that you might get sick, if you could sit near the back of the boat, that would be best. They said that time and time and time again. So we get on the boat. We start running. Everybody moves to the front. And everybody's standing there around the front. And then slowly but surely, you see them start peeling off, (laughs) kind of heading towards the back. So then when we finished... About three hours of looking, we got to go back. As we go back, I'm kind of sitting near the back just to make sure I'm taken care of. Somebody with two kids is in the front, and they're just running around going crazy, running around going crazy. And all I can think of in the back of my mind is, I think the guy said, you should sit in the back, should sit in the back. And sure enough, about 20 minutes later, what happened? Hello. I mean, they're ready to let everything go. And they're grabbing the kids, having to take them all to the back over there. And my mind just went to, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you listen, mom and dad? Why didn't you listen to what he said? Voices of authority, listen to them. Here's the fill-in. Pay close attention to those who've gone before you. Pay close attention to those who've gone before you. Rarely in life will we enter on some path that somebody else has not gone before us. So I'm just saying listen to them. Listen for their experiences and learn from them. It can help you down the road number nine is this number eight when things are going wrong courtesy and hospitality are effective antidotes to soothe anger when things are going wrong courtesy and hospitality are effective antidotes to soothe anger when i flew to sydney i then had to drive to a place called Parramatta. Parramatta is a city here there was a conference that was at the olympic center which was here so you catch a train to get there I got in, I checked in, it was a new Holiday Inn, looked relatively new Holiday Inn. I had my stuff with me. I uh, got there, and uh, there was two elevators. I was on the fourth floor. Pushed the elevator, doors open. I got in the elevator, pushed four, two, three, four. Got to four. No door. No doors open. I Did about a 10 count. Got a little nervous. Pushed the first floor, it went back down. Got down to the first floor, doors open. I said, okay, i will go to the next one. So I went over to the, uh, to the elevator over here, got in that one, pushed four, got up, took a while, opened up, I got off. Whew, praise the Lord. Okay, make a note, note to self, always take that particular elevator. Next morning, I got up, took that particular elevator, went down, made the second note to self, and that is look for the steps. Uh, if I can run 26 miles, I can for sure take four flights of steps uh, to get on there. Let's just do that. I'm walking around. One of the uh upity uh, uh the the guys who's in charge of the whole hotel runs into me and says, "You're looking for something i said yeah i said uh." Uh, I just can tell you the experience I had last night was I got on this elevator and the door didn't open. He said, oh, did you notice the the sign that we have inside the elevator? I said, no, what does it say? It says we are having some trouble and that the doors are opening slowly. I said, I understand that. But from where I come from, there's a difference in the word no and the word slow. Uh, This was like no open, (laughs) and I understand slow. But it was a nice way I said it. And so I kidded him. I started laughing. And so he was real apologetic on that. And so I said, well, where are the steps? And he said, well, they're right Well, no, they're not here. Well, they're right. No, they're not here. He said, oh, yeah, you can't take steps. I said, what do you mean I can't take steps? He said, well, because of some fire laws or whatever we've got over here, if you took steps from the full floor to the first floor, it would take you out the back of the hotel. You can't get to this floor. Now, you can get to the second floor. I said, I don't need the second floor. I need the first floor. But if you go to the first floor, you have to go outside and walk all the way around the hotel, then come back in and come in this way over here. I said, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And so then he got with me in the elevator, took me up to my room, She so you got any other problems? I said, well, yeah, my air doesn't work. Um, it is winter here in Australia. And I tried to adjust my air. And what it did was it kept kicking into air conditioning. And it was getting colder and colder and colder. And, uh, and so he said, okay, we'll do something. So I was nice. He was really nice. 30 minutes later, knock on my door. Somebody's there with a fruit basket <laughs> and a note. He says, "Mr. Wood, we have this for you." Place the fruit basket there, open up the note. It was from that guy and his I love the wording he said. It was so good to talk to you. So glad you're enjoying your stay uh, at the holiday. <laughs> and if there's anything else that you need, you just let me know. And he left his name over there. I couldn't help but laugh, okay? And it did soothe any anger I guess that I had. But it's just a great lesson to know. Courtesy and hospitality go a long way, folks. People are going to get upset. We're going to drop the ball. We understand that. But courtesy and hospitality will take you a long way. Number nine is this, a fresh vision. A fresh vision is possible regardless of the age of the organization. This is so important. You write this down. A fresh vision is important, is, uh, uh, is possible regardless of the age of the organization. And you see, I put is possible twice in there, David. Uh, that was my typo. Uh, it is possible, is possible, regardless of the age of the organization. That was straight from my notes. When I went to Parramatta, uh, there was uh, uh, an Anglican cathedral there called St. John's uh, Anglican Cathedral. It was opened in 1803. And uh, see, uh, Dave, we got a picture of that beautiful old uh, cathedral here. You walk in, and it was 1803. Then there's a picture of the succession of those who were the clergy. There's only about 11 or 12 names on there, and this is since 1803. This is over 200 years, and they've got them listed, all these different men that have led that church. But see, the thing they were most proudest of was their organ. They've got an organ and a choir loft back over here, beautiful organ, been restored. So I was over there taking a picture of it. But then the thing that caught my eye was what was right next to the organ, and this is what it is. If you take a look at it, it is Saint John's vision and mission, and then right next to it, there is a plaque. Now, this is where I want you to see this. I walked in here; we'd just been through a visioning uh time in our life of our church about a year or so ago. And I looked over here, and this is their vision. Our city transformed by the hope of the risen Christ. And they had three things. We're going to glorify God by our love and service, grow disciples of Jesus Christ, and engage our city and the world with the message of the risen Christ. I'm standing in a 200-plus old cathedral. This church that they have there. And they've got a fresh vision to reach their community, even though they're well over 200 years old. And I love the way they placed it because, you know, it's right next to it. Right next to it is the plaque of the Samuel Marsden, senior chaplain of this colony, the father of the Australian church and the founder of the New Zealand Mission. And uh, this is a tribute in memory. was placed here by there in 1838. He's the one that founded the church in 1803. So you put the new vision statement right next to the plaque that honored the Moan who founded The church. 200 and about um, what 15, 16 years later, they've got this new fresh vision. It's just a reminder, folks. A fresh vision is possible regardless the age of the organization. And the very last thing is this: as a Christian, keep growing in your faith and daily dependence on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, keep growing in your faith and daily dependence on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I tell you this because I went to a conference called Hillsong Conference. It was in an arena uh, that was a very large arena. And uh, it started on a Tuesday night and went all the way through, uh, through Friday night. And, um, and as I was there, God just really got a hold of my life to remind me of these things. Danny, it doesn't matter how old you are, how mature you are. You just keep growing in your faith and daily dependence. And there's a picture I think we've got, David. This is the picture of the arena. All right, so that was huge. Uh, This is the big stage over there. They can come out over here. Place was packed. There was energy. It was excitement. And um, at 64 years of age, I was probably in the higher range of older people that were there, (laughs) on there, but was loving it. And God spoke to me, and he said, hey, just to remind you, There's that daily dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You know, we serve a God that loves us. He loves us so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And then when we make that decision to receive Christ into our hearts, it is that his Holy Spirit comes in. And as he takes residence in us, he wants to guide us and direct us, help us determine what, find what our purpose is for life. And will walk with us every moment of every day And that's just a great reminder of that dependence. So life lessons, as you take all of these, hang on to that that daily dependence of god's spirit to walk you through life i really appreciate you being here and uh we usually do this the first uh tuesday of each month october will be different Uh, i'm going to be out of town so we're going to move it to the second tuesday so we'll send you emails out on that but uh hope you have a great month and uh just enjoy life and hope you take some of these great lessons with you thank you very much have a great day